0: Uh, starting a a new series today um, called Angels. And when uh, we start a new series, typically we begin kind of brainstorming and thinking uh, creatively about uh, the next series that that we're going to do. And so a couple months ago now, uh, we started talking about this Angel series, and uh, we knew that we wanted um, a big angel on the stage uh, that we thought would be uh, menacing, but not scary. And so we started talking about that. I had no idea uh, what they were going to do, but 15 um, foot angel qualifies as a, as a big angel. So um, uh, we decided, uh, I, I decided that when I started planning uh, this uh, first sermon of this series, I wanted to go to the experts uh, when it came to angels. And that is, of course, children. So let me share with you uh, some perspectives on uh, some kids that I found. Um, about angels. It said, Daniel, age seven says, when, the, when an angel gets mad, he takes a deep breath and he counts to 10. And when he lets out his breath somewhere, there's a tornado. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you know, that was from a parent just trying to explain uh, that, that to their kids. Matthew, age nine, it's not easy to become an angel. First, you have to die. Uh, and then uh, you go to heaven and then there's still fight training to go through. <laughs> and, and then you have to agree to wear all those angel clothes. All right. Um, Sarah, age six, angels have a lot to do. They keep very busy. <laughs> if you lose a tooth, an angel comes in through your window uh, and leaves money under your pillow. And then when it gets cold, they have to go north for the winter. All right? um, Harry, age seven, my guardian angel helps me with math. He turns out he's not very good at science. Um, Jerry, age five, angels don't eat. Uh, they have to drink milk from holy cows. Um, Laughter. All right Ronald, age ten, uh, angels talk um, all the way while they're flying through heaven. The main subject is where you went wrong before you died. Um, Oliver, age nine, everybody's got it all wrong. Uh, angels don 't wear halos anymore. you'll notice our angel doesn't have a halo. I forget why, but scientists are working it out. Uh, Gregory, age five uh, i don't I know the names of only two angels. Hark and Harold, all right um, <laughs> Jacob, age six angels live in cloud houses made by God and his son, who turns out is a very good carpenter. All right. So our our culture is really fascinated by, by this subject uh, called angels. And uh, through the years, there's been a lot of shows on the subject of angels, uh, movies, songs. And so I thought we would start out, this is going to feel a little bit like a Bible study, probably the first uh, third to two thirds of this sermon, and, and just talk a little bit about what j- does the Bible actually say about angels and then I want to kind of leapboard from that and kind of uh, um, get the get this series going that we 're going to be in for the next five weeks. so um, I want to um, thank uh, you know when I talked about going to kids who are the experts um, when I kind of started to do the Bible study aspect of this. Um, I came across a Zondervan academic, and uh, Wayne Gruden in particular has done a ton of work on angels. Um, I'm going to go through quite a few scriptures that not all of them are going to be on the screen. Um, if you would like some of this content, I would be happy to send it to you. Um, just shoot me an email or contact the church office, and I would be glad to, to print uh, the, the manuscript of this sermon. Um, all the scriptures are in here, um, all the kind of main headings. So uh, if you're interested in all the scriptures we're going to cover, just uh, contact me. But let me put this on on the screen first, and these are going to kind of build on each other. But the first thing I want you to know is that God created angels. All right, the angels haven't always existed. All right, they're not like God in that way. According to scripture, they are part of the universe God created. Let me show you Nehemiah. It says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made the heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all of their hosts, and the host of heaven. Uh, worships you, and uh, uh, later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul will teach that God created all things, all things visible, all things invisible, and specifically, Paul kind of highlights the angelic world when he says God created everything, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities. God created angels. Now, when you go back to Genesis one, they're not angels are not in the creation story, right? So it's not like on the first day. Um, you know, God created the, uh, God, God. You know, created uh, the sun and the moon and the stars on the fourth day. He created human beings. He created uh, dogs. He, you know, then cats and all that stuff. You, you'll never see a day where He created angels. So, God created angels before the creation of the world. But he created angels uh, nonetheless. We know that, um, we'll talk about this later, but one of the fallen angels, Lucifer, uh, that that happened before the creation of the world, that Lucifer was cast out of the heavens. Um, and then we see him appear very quickly in Genesis 3 as a serpent. So God created um, angels. And um, uh, the, the Bible also says that angels and human beings are different from each other. All right? And I think this is an important distinction, that God created angels and God created human beings. Here, here's what that means. It means that, um, and I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble with this at all, but when you die, you don't become an angel. All right? Does that, I, I, that hopefully, that, that doesn't bother you, all right? But when you die, you become a perfected human being, all right? Uh, a forgiven human being, a, a, a perfected human being, that you were created to be a, a human being, and that's exactly what you'll be in eternity. You'll be a perfected human being, but you'll be a human being um, n- nonetheless. And uh, I, I think the Bible's pretty clear on this, that, that when we die, we don't become angels, that when we die, we become perfected human beings. And we're gonna talk about how we're a little lower than the angels now, but that, that's all gonna change when Jesus returns. But uh, God, God created angels, all right? Angels are not God. All right, so since God created angels, angels are not God. Here's what I mean by that. They are not omnipresent, all right? Omnipresence is a uh, kind of theological idea that teaches that God is everywhere, that God is in all places at all times, so he can be loving and serving you at the same time that he's loving and serving me, all right? Um, And... uh, God, God is everywhere. So he is right now, there, when, as they're worshiping in Africa or Asia, he is there. We're worshiping in Decatur, Illinois. He is here. Right? God is, is everywhere. That's not true of angels. As a matter of fact, the Bible would be clear that, that sometimes you see an, an angel go from one place to another. Like You see him physically go from one place to another. So they're not omnipresent. They're also I'm not, not omniscient. Right? Omniscience is a theological idea that teaches that God knows everything. All right? Angels are not omniscient. They kind of follow the orders and directives of God. They, d- they don't know everything. So here's the third point. Here's what that means. This is important. Angels are not to be worshipped. Right? Paul in the book of Colossians is really uh, really clear on this, that this is a false doctrine that found its way into the Colossi church, the book of Colossians, where Paul makes it clear, do not worship angels. But if you need an even better example than that, in the book of Revelation, uh, John is uh, writing the book of Revelation and an an angel appears to John and uh, John uh, starts to worship the angel. I mean, you can imagine seeing something, I mean, even more menacing than this or more beautiful or more majestic than this appears to John and he starts to worship and the angel says this, you must not do that. You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Then he says this, you worship God. All right, you worship God. And so it's important for us to know uh, that we should not worship angels. We shouldn't pray to angels. We we shouldn't be praying to angels. Um, Here's what I mean by that. God is able to answer your prayer through the name of Jesus. And so we pray to God in the name of Jesus, but we don't pray to angels. And Paul actually warns us about finding um, any other mediator other than Christ between us and God. He says there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. That is the man, Jesus Christ, First Timothy 2, uh, 5. And if we were to pray to angels or through angels, we would kind of give them equal standing with Jesus. And that is not their standing. All right, so we don't, we don't worship, we don't pray to angels. Here's, here's another thing. There are three types of angels in the Bible, all right? If you're kind of wondering about some of this, there's cherubim. All right, they're mentioned in several places. They guarded uh, the entrance of the Garden of Eden uh, when, when God uh, made man leave the Garden of Eden. There were cherubim there in Genesis three that were standing guard. Um, God is enthroned above them in Ezekiel. God rides on them in Psalm eighteen. And then there's two figures of cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant, uh, where God promised to dwell amongst His people in Exodus 25. So there's cherubim. There's seraphim, all right? And uh, th- these are only mentioned in one place the book of Isaiah, Isaiah has kind of this vision and he sees these seraphim uh, kind of uh, going up and down, worshiping God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's in Isaiah six. So cherubim, seraphim, and then there are these beings called living creatures that are all throughout the Bible. And and these living creatures, they are uh, angelic creatures that appear as something else. So in the Bible, they'll appear as a lion, an ox, a man, an eagle, they will represent all manner of parts of God's uh, creation, wild beasts, domesticated animals, human beings, birds, and they too worship God in the Bible, these living creatures. Um, Day and night they never cease to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so very often you'll see these uh, living creatures appear in the Bible, and this is where uh, the Bible will say, hey, be kind to strangers, Because you might be entertaining an angel unaware. This is referring to a living creature. It is an angel that has taken the form of a a type of living creature. All right. Um, So cherubim, seraphim, and living creatures. All right. Here's the next one. Angels have a hierarchy. There seems to be a rank and order among them. Uh, Michael is called uh, the archangel. Um, indicating his rule and authority over the other angels. He's one of the uh, chief princes in Daniel uh, 13. Let me show you this passage from Revelation 12. Now a war arose in heaven, and Michael and his angels were fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, and they were defeated. Paul tells us that when Jesus returns, uh, he's going to return to the archangels' shout, to the archangels' call. I've shared this illustration with you before, but um, it was from a South African pastor, and uh, he was teaching a class at a Christian college in South Africa, and one of his students raised their hand and says, hey, 1 Thessalonians says that when Jesus returns, he's gonna return to the archangel's shout. The student said, I'd like to know uh, what the archangel is gonna be shouting. And the professor said, man, I was thinking about we can't go beyond what scripture has taught. He said, I was gonna leave the question unanswered. And he says, and then I thought about the homeless people that I saw on my way to the university. I thought about the people that I knew that were struggling with death and with disease and, and were depressed and uh, all of the stuff people were struggling through. And he said, it came to me. He said, I'd like to answer your question. And he says, enough. And a look of surprise came over the student. He said, what do you mean? He says, I believe that when Jesus returns, the archangel will be shouting enough. Enough disease, enough sin enough suffering, enough hardship, enough funerals, enough cancer, enough mental illness, that he'll be shouting enough when he returns. And I like that. Totally unbiblical, but I like it, all right? So you can't back that up in the Bible, but, but I really like that idea that he will be shouting enough when he returns. So angels have a hierarchy. Um, if uh, you've ever seen the movie Michael, all right, about the archangel Michael, it's about um, the archangel Michael who comes to earth and apparently he really likes pie, right? Th- that's not how it is, right? This is closer than that movie, all right? Um, uh, so there's, uh, there, angels have three names in the Bible, all right? One of them is Michael, as you saw in the promo, not John Travolta eating pie, all right? Uh, kind of big majestic creatures, Jude 9, Revelation 12, Daniel 10, all right? Our examples, Gabriel, uh, who primarily um, appears um, uh, in the, in the uh, Jesus story, the, 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 the narrative of Jesus uh, coming. He appears to Zechariah. He appears in that story. That's Gabriel. And then there's the fallen angel, Lucifer, uh, who, of course, became Satan and at one time was an angel who worshiped God but fell into pride, was cast out of heaven. Um, and we don't know how many angels exist. All right? uh, there's no kind of biblical narrative on this. Here's what we do know. You can write this down. It's a lot. And I studied all week to bring that word to you. There are a lot of angels. On on Mount Sinai, uh, we're told there's tens of thousands. Um, In Psalm 68, we're told that there are tens of thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Hebrews 12 tells us there are innumerable angels. And uh, John says... Um, I I heard around, in Revelation uh, 5, I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders of the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands upon thousands. So that's where I get this brilliant insight of a lot. All right, so um, there's a lot of angels. Angels are very, very powerful. Um, They're called the mighty ones who do the work of God. uh, We're told they have power, uh, dominion, and authority. Uh, They're greater in might and power uh, than human beings. There's this interesting thing that says, um, and I'm not even going to try to explain this because I really don't understand this, but while we're here on earth, um, the Bible says we're lower than the angels. In Hebrews 2.7, it says that, that we're lower than the angels right now. But when Jesus returns in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul indicates that followers of Jesus will judge the angels and will be over them. It's like, huh, what does that mean? I don't know, (laughs) but it sounds kind of neat. All right, so right right now we're below the angels and someday we'll kind of stand in judgment over the angels. And so that's why I say, hey, you know, embrace your humanity in this way right? Embrace your humanity. God created you to be a human being. There's this kind of part of us that really wants to believe that because the angels are over us right now, that when we die, we become angels. But embrace your standing as a human being, that God created you to be human. And being a human is a good thing. And someday human beings are going to be over the angels in, in some way. So what do angels do? All right? They protect all right, the Bible t- is very, very clear on this, and this is going to be one of the weeks of this series that angels protect, that God sends angels to protect people. Jesus actually quotes this Psalm 91, 11 through 12. He gives his angels charge of you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you, be, lest you dash your foot against a stone. All right, so angels are sent to protect. So this goes to the idea of do we have guardian angels? Right? If angels are meant to protect us, do you as an individual, do I as an individual, is there like a guardian? I have one, right? No, no. Do we have guardian angels? Well, Jesus um, uh, would, would seem to indicate that at a minimum, children do. He's talking about children in Matthew eighteen ten, and he says this, in heaven, their angels, little children, in heaven, their angels always behold the face of my father who is in heaven. So Jesus seems seems to indicate that there are guardian angels, at least for children. Now, he never addresses it with adults, but with with children, he he does. And then in Revelation, uh, there's a series of letters uh, written to the churches, and it seems as though churches have an angel over them. So in the book of Revelation, John writes, to the, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write this. And so the letters are actually addressed to the angels of the churches. And I've always thought that's kind of a cool thought, that I don't know if I have a guardian angel or not. It would appear that, like, my son Sam and Lila, it would appear that maybe they do, based on Jesus' words. Um, I, you know, I don't know if I do, but I, I also know that our church does, that there's, like, an angel over the church of Northwest. And I, I think that's kind of cool. So angels protect... Angels are examples to us. They are examples of full obedience. That uh, Jesus prayed one time, uh, let your uh, will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. So in heaven, where angels are right now, God's will is done uh, perfectly, immediately, joyfully, without question. And we are to kind of derive from that 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 ought to be our goal. That God's will in our life is done immediately, joyfully, and without question. Alright? So they are examples to us. And I, I want to have that attitude that when God reveals his will to me through his word or, or through another person or whatever, then it's like, man, this is God's will for my life. It's like, all right, immediate, joyful, and without question. All right? So they're an example to that in us. But even beyond that, they're an example of worship to us. Let me show you Psalm uh, 103.20. Angels glorify God uh, for who he is in himself and for his excellence, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, hearkening to the voice of his word. And so angels have as their core being uh, glorifying God and worshiping him, not just with their words, but with their actions. And I think that's another great thing for us to try to attain. That man, I want to be a worshiper. With my whole life, I want to be a worshiper. Not just when we gather together on Sunday morning, but every day of the week, I want to be a worshiper uh, giving God honor and glory and praise. So they're examples to us. They carry out God's plans. They bring messages to people. Uh, they bring judgment. And, and in some occasions, I can give you a whole bunch of texts on this. They bring judgment. Um, when Christ returns, there'll be an army of them that returns with Jesus. Uh, they patrol the earth. All right? they, they carry out battle against uh, the demonic forces. And um, that, that's kind of what angels do. That's who they are. And while all that's really interesting to me, um, that really is not what this series is fully about. It's sort of about that, but it's not really about that. The angels are commonly referred in the Bible as God's messengers. And I love that description of angels, that angels bring a message. Right, angels come bearing a message. And I think that we can sometimes get a little lost in the weeds on angels. That we see a story about an angel and we get really, really fascinated by the angel part of it. Because they are let's face it, they're fascinating. I mean, when I saw kind of our creative tech teams, kind of how they viewed angels, I found it really interesting because I like to think about this stuff too. But sometimes we can get so fascinated by the messenger that we forget the message Right, And so this series is about the, the message that if God sent an angel to a specific situation in the Bible, he sent him with a message. And I want to focus a little bit more on the message part of it and less on the messenger part of it, because the message part of it is is for all of us. So let me kind of give you an example this way. Let's say uh, this Christmas uh, I decided uh, to do something special for my wife, and I decided to write her a, a letter, a handwritten letter, and this really would be something because she wouldn't be able to read it, all right, so, because my handwriting's so bad, but I decided to write her a letter about, like, the job I think she's doing as a mother, that she's homeschooling uh, Sam, she kind of left behind her career to, to do that, she sacrificed so much, or uh, as a wife, about how supportive she is of me, and what, what a wonderful wife she is, as a follower of Jesus, uh, her compassion and her humble spirit is so motivating to me, and um, she's visiting family in Michigan right now. She's not here, so you can know this is legit, right? I'm not trying to earn anything right now. I'm just telling you. Let's say I decide to write this letter to her. And I write the letter, and I put it in this beautiful kind of ornate decorative box. And I wrap it up, and I give it to her for Christmas. And on Christmas morning, she wakes up. She opens it. Uh, she, she opens the box. She reads the letter. And she starts going on and on about how beautiful this decorative box is. I'm like, is there anything else you want to say, right? She starts going, Anna, this box is just so beautiful. It's so ornate. It's so incredible. And here's what I would start to think as that morning unfolded. I would start to think, I think she missed the message. I think she missed the point of this, right? The point was like the message inside of it. And she's focused on the outward box. And I think when it comes to angels, I think maybe we sometimes miss the big message, We've become so focused on what they look like and what they do and have I ever seen one that, that we've missed the message they come, uh, that they came to bring. And here's what I want you to understand. The message the angel comes with, here's what we need to understand. That was not just for the, a message for the person they came to. Make no mistake about it. It's not a message just for the person they came to. It is a message for you. And it is a message for me. So this is a series about the message And so there's a story in the Old Testament of Daniel that um, he gets into some trouble with the king because he refuses to worship in a way he shouldn't worship. And so the king decides to throw him in a lion's den. Uh, uh, And it's exactly what it sounds, a big pit where lions are and they are kept hungry and their job is to eat you, right? And, And to kill you. And you talk about an awful way to die. So the king throws Daniel into the lion's den and the Bible says that God sent an angel who closed the mouth of the lion? Wouldn't that be cool to see? Right, that's one of those things I want to see on rerun when I get to heaven. Right, really cool to see, and I believe there is rerun in heaven. But um, one of those really cool things to see. And so the angel was sent to Daniel for a mes- with a message of protection. But that's not just for Daniel. Now the angel part might be just for him. You may never see an angel shut the mouth of a lion. I hope you're never put in a lion's den for that matter. But God has promised you protection, and God has promised me protection, and we're going to study it next week and see what that looks like. What is his message of protection for us? In in the Christmas story, you see angels all throughout that story. They appear to Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and they're declaring the importance of Jesus and the glory of God. That's not just a message for them. That's not just a message for the shepherds. That's a message for you, that Jesus is a really big deal. Right? And he'll change your life from the inside out. Jesus one time fasted for 40 days. And during that uh, fast, uh, Satan came and tempted Jesus. And Jesus withstood the temptation. And, the, and at the end of all that, God sent an angel to Jesus who helped him and comforted him and, and fed him. That's not just a message for Jesus. Right? Now, the angel thing might be just for him. You might never see an angel in the flesh. But God's comfort, that is a message for you. And God's comfort is available to you. He comforts us in our trouble so we can comfort those in any trouble. In Acts 12, uh, Peter is put in prison by King Herod. It's just plain persecution and attack. And in this story in Acts 12, an angel busts Peter out of prison. He He breaks him out of prison. And it's a reminder, the story is a reminder that God's will will be done. That we don't have to worry about that. God's will will be done. We just have to stay faithful. That's our part of the story. It is an amazing story. And guess what? It's not just true for Peter. It's not. God has a will for you. God has a plan for you. God has a will for me. God has a plan for me. And our job is to stay faithful. That is our job. It is to stay faithful and God. watch God work. Watch what God does. Angels have a dominant role in the book of Revelation. They do. Man, some of those stories in Revelation will keep you up at night, right? An angel army coming, uh, coming to the earth. And it is a reminder that God has the future in hand. God has the army that he needs, and we don't need to feel anxiety. We don't need to feel fear about the future because God has an army in place and is ready to do his will, so we needn't be afraid. So this series is kind of about the messengers. All the stories have these angelic beings, and we'll have some fun looking at those, but this series is mostly about the message they bring, the message the messenger brings because that's for all of us. You might never see an angel this side of heaven. I don't know. You might not. They may always be working in the background. I do believe they're working in the background. But you can know and you can receive the message. And that is a good thing. Messages of hope, protection, good news, and joy. And my prayer is that we will receive that message today. I mean, one of the most bold messages uh, Jesus ever sent was about the good news. So let me pray for us as we get ready to receive communion together and celebrate that good news, all right? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you for his grace. We want to thank you for his good news. As we uh, get ready to receive uh, communion uh, together, um, I just want to pray that we would celebrate it and remember it and that it would change our lives from the inside out, all right? One of the most famous, amen, one of the most famous passages Um, And there were shepherds living out in the fields, fields nearby, watching over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And you would be too, right? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you, and you will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now, it's a real interesting thing that when we read texts like that, we often think, man, uh, I'd, I'd love to see the way some of these stories unfolded the way the angels kind of announce the good news of Jesus. I'd love to see some of these stories unfold. You know what the Bible says? That the angels actually long for what you've seen. That you're living in this era of forgiveness and grace and the Holy Spirit. And the angels are like, man, we'd love to see this kind of post-Jesus age even uh, up closer than than, than we are. And they long to see what we have seen. And I think that's really true, that we are living in this special age right now where Jesus has come Uh, He died, he was buried, he resurrected, he left his Holy Spirit. And we're in this age right now where everybody can come to Jesus. Everybody can be forgiven. Everybody can receive his spirit. And that is worth remembering and it's worth celebrating. And so we're gonna pass communion right now, which is a, a, a memory moment for us of, man, I gotta remember the good news. I gotta remember that Jesus died, he was buried, and he was resurrected because we believe the good news changes everything in this life and the next. And so you can receive two cups stacked on top of each other. One has some bread for Jesus' body. The other has some juice for his blood. And it's an opportunity for us to remember his sacrifice, to remember what he has done. And then I'll come back up in just a few minutes and we'll receive it together as a church family.